Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we talk to the leading agencies, technology partners, and consultants in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that impact a brand's ability to drive unique experiences, uh, enhance customer engagement, and most importantly, impact customer loyalty. Uh, it allows for a deeper insight and deeper look, should I say, into the state of customer loyalty as we surface a number of challenges as we meet with brand marketers as part of our membership. Uh, and these loyalty live sessions allow for a pragmatic and empirically driven response to some of these challenges, which helps brands understand and evaluate the customer loyalty landscape in a uh, unique manner. Uh, today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Virginia Blackstone, the Chief Marketing Officer at Iris, uh, powered by Generali. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Happy I'm doing well. You. Thank you very much. Um, first off, we always like to start these on a more personal note. I'd uh, like to get to know a little bit more, uh, you know, about the people we're speaking with and your role. So we'd love to know a little bit more about you, uh, your role with Iris, uh, and you know how long you've been at the company, and maybe a bit about your background. Sure. As you mentioned, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at Iris. I've been with the company almost 10 and a half years. So um, long time, longer than I, I thought I'd be any place for that matter, but I genuinely enjoy it. So I've stuck around. Um, and I've been in marketing really all my career. I started out at Caterpillar um, and eventually went through a you know a couple of different iterations of roles at other places, but always in marketing and then made my way to Iris. Okay, great. Um, when you look at the company, uh, for those who may not be familiar with the company, can you give us a brief overview of the company, uh, what you guys do, how you do it, and kind of areas of specialization or even industries you may specialize in? Sure. So um, Iris is, um, or Iris Powered by Generali is the long name. I'll kind of use Iris throughout because it can be a bit of a mouthful, but we're a global B2B2C um, identity and cyber protection company, uh, actually global identity and cyber protection company. So we offer our uh, services worldwide. Um, we like to refer to ourselves as people first and tech forward. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we continue to kind of go through the discussion here. But um, we started back in 2003 um, at that time, just offering identity resolution services and um, have really expanded our services as the fraud landscape has evolved. So today um, we provide a variety of products and services in that identity cyber protection space um, to help companies and their customers across the globe um, really just help protect themselves from the what feel like pervasive and ever-present um, identity and cyber threats that are out there. Um, I think one of the things that really sets us apart is not necessarily what we do, but how we do what we do. Um, okay. We really strongly believe that these types of crimes, identity theft, um, cyber crime, that they're extremely personal. And because of that, um, we use a combination of really kind of constantly evolving tools because again, the space is constantly evolving um, to help consumers um, not become a victim, um, but should they become a victim to really ensure that they are receiving compassionate, caring, expert assistance in really resolving or restoring their identity if, if the unfortunate should happen. So we really think this combination of kind of powerful technology on the front end and really human caring um, resolution support um, on the back end if necessary is kind of the optimal solution for our partners, customers. Okay, great. Uh, recently, uh, you, you uh, rebranded from uh, Generali Global Assistance to Iris, powered by Generali. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the rebrand, why your team felt uh, a rebrand re was, was needed, was necessary? 
Sure. So under that generally global assistance umbrella was a number of different um, what we internally kind of refer to as business units that operated in different segments. We offer travel assistance services, um, cost containment services, a number of different things. And I think for the identity and cyber protection business specifically, we just felt that um, there was some confusion around what lines of businesses we were in and what services we actually offered um, in that space. And, and um, you know, when you are... Um, offering such great services as travel assistance and travel insurance, um, sometimes that's what people tend to default to think of when they're thinking about generally global assistance. And we just kind of felt like th there was some confusion there. So to eliminate that confusion and really highlight that what we do at IRIS is the identity and cyber protection, we decided to change the name to IRIS Powered by Generali. So the Generali Global Assistance branding does still exist. Um, we just don't use it specifically for our global identity and cyber protection business. Okay, great. Um, are there specific verticals that you traditionally work within and, you know, how does Iris typically work with your clients and with your partners? Yeah, so um, it's interesting, you know, identity fraud, um, I, I'm a hand talker, sorry, identity fraud and cybercrime don't discriminate. Um, so fraudsters, scammers, uh, identity thieves, they don't care where you live, how much money you make, what kind of education you have, all that jazz. They they just see you as a potential target. So if you have an identity, um, you're in their crosshair, so to speak. And so um, because of that, we don't really say that we specialize or focus on a particular industry. Again, anybody that has an identity is is, is potential target for these folks. So um, we really believe that these services could and, and should be offered by almost any company um, that sees value in protecting the identity of their members and their customers. So we tend to partner with organizations that um, see value in, in that first and foremost, that mission of keeping their, their clients or um, their customers or members identity safe. Um, but then beyond that, that see value in partnering with a company that has the technical capability to do that, um, the know-how to do that, kind of the skill set and expertise to be able to do that. But then on top of that is also very passionate about keeping the customer at the center of it all at really understanding that behind this identity theft incident is a real human with a life that's been impacted by this situation in some way. Um, I personally feel like good customer service is becoming a lost art. And so it's really important, especially when you're in a time of crisis, which people typically are in situations like this, they feel violated, um, something you know unfortunate has happened to them. Um, and so it is it's scary, it's chaotic. And so the last thing you want is to make contact with someone and trying to resolve that issue that makes you feel like um, you're you're just a number, you're another, you know, dotted line, you know, on a, in another phone call, or um, that that it's somehow your fault. Um, that just doesn't understand that you're a person, um, and that this is capable of, of really happening to anyone. So um, we we if if having the right expertise and technology, but also having that human touch um, is important. We think that that makes for the ideal partnership for us. Okay. And one of the things we'd like to do at Loyalty 360 is get an understanding of how people define different terms uh, in need for, you know, having kind of a shared understanding of terms that are very important. And at the base uh, is customer loyalty. You know, how do you define customer loyalty and what is your company's philosophy on customer loyalty? 
Sure. So I personally define customer loyalty really as a customer um, or consumer in general, making an active and conscious choice to choose the same provider or business each time the need arises for them to address a problem that your product or service can resolve. And then them continuing to make that choice over and over and over again. And in the exchange of that good or service and you solving a problem for them or addressing a need that they have, that they actually feel good about that interaction, Um, that they're not using you because they don't have any other choice or um, that they're not, you know, this was the most merely a a transaction of convenience for them, but that they actually feel good about um, giving you their business over and over again. And they see that as an exchange. Um, So in short, our philosophy is that loyalty must be earned repeatedly every single time. So every time um, there's a phone call, every time there's an interaction, whether it's through our online portal that some of our services are provided through or whether they're actually calling in to speak to a person that we have to earn um, that loyalty over and over again. So um, because of that, in many cases, we're actually representing our client's brand because a lot of our clients may choose to white label um, our services. So the first thing that we kind of mantra that we have is, is we must do no harm, none at all. Because in a lot of cases, this customer has uh, services, other services for this client through this client as well. So if it's an insurance provider, they're, they're getting insurance uh, services from that customer. If they're um, an antivirus company, they're getting some other software service from that company. So the first thing is we can't somehow damage the relationship uh, via giving them the services that we provide. Um, so when that's your goal, you don't want to just meet their expectations. Every time our aim is to surprise the customer in a good way, to delight them, to, to exceed those expectations. And having that attitude really sets the bar a lot higher than just being good. We want to be great every single time. So as a result of that, um, our NPS scores are consistently in the 80s, which is pretty unheard of in most industries. Um, And then we're also really proud of the fact that we have 99% client retention over the past 10 years. We really understand that customers have choices, our clients have choices. And so we're honored that they continue to kind of choose us day after day, year after year. And I think uh, when you look at customer loyalty, having, uh, you know, the fraud issues that you address, identity issues, potentially, those could really impact, uh, you know, a customer's loyalty to your customer, that B2B2C example that you talked about. So I would think the, the products and services that you offer, if used effectively, can help embellish or enhance you know, the, the customer loyalty metrics, uh, MPS scores of, of the clients that you work with that are reaching out to the end consumer, correct? Absolutely. I think um, you know, there are times when we get, um, or lots of times, many, many times we have, you know, more than I can count, we get a lot of positive feedback um, from these uh, end customers. And again, a lot of that is because um, we're dealing with people during a very scary situation. Sometimes some of these cases are very complicated to get resolved. So we're working with customers for weeks at a time. When it's all said and done, they're extremely pleased with the, the interaction that they've had with us. And they're motivated to either leave us positive feedback on a recorded line or give it directly to someone. And in many cases, they don't know that they're talking to Iris Power by Generali. So they're saying, you know, client X, let's, you know, just say Acme Company. Oh, my God, you guys should teach a course on great customer service. This is the best experience I've ever had. And when we give that feedback back to the clients, 
they recognize that that resonates positively with them because they don't know necessarily that they're talking to Iris. They think that this is an employee of Acme Company. So they're really that um, positive uh, goodwill, that positive feeling definitely spills over onto the, the client as well. Okay, great. When you look at um, your offering, how do you position your offering and some of the key features and the functionality attributes you have uh, that uh, you know would be most appealing, useful to marketers as you know they engage the end consumer? Yeah. So there, I'll take this kind of in, in two pieces because I mentioned at the outset we're we're global, people first, technology forward providers. So we understand how important and critical the technology is. Um, but we hold the customer experience, like I said, just as high. And so that means we're really careful about not adding features for the sake of adding features. So when we add a feature, we really want to make sure that it's easy for the customer. Number one, that there's value there. There's a reason why we're adding the feature. It's actually going to somehow um, better protect the customer. It's going to increase the ease of use or something like that, because we want to make sure that the customer will actually end up using it. Um, from a functionality standpoint, it's better, it's it's more intuitive, it's engaging, something along those lines. It has to be a reason why we're adding it, not just because it's a new feature out there or some competitor is now offering this as a feature. Um, so because of that, we may not be what um, other you know, somebody is just looking to check a box side by side with another competitor, we may not check all the boxes, but we actually see that as a positive thing from a B2B standpoint, because as a business partner, you're paying for those extra features, even if a in customer doesn't use them or not. And if you're packed in so many features that a customer doesn't see the value in them and they're not using them, then it diminishes the overall value of the product. And you may not get the, um, the engagement with that customer that you're looking for, because they now they feel like, well, I've spent my time kind of signing up for this new feature or engaging with it in some in some way, and it did me no good. And so if you do that over and over again, they're going to say, what's the point of this product? It's just wasting my time. So we're very mindful about the key features that we put in. And even that, it's it's it can be a bit of... Um, Fighting identity and cybercrime can be a little bit like whack-a-mole to a degree. Yep. The fraudsters tend, you know, you kind of get one area under control. They find that they pop up somewhere else and figure out another way to, to scam someone or steal someone's identity. So we also keep a very good pulse on what's happening with the market. And we add features to address what's really happening. So, for example, the past couple of years, scams have become... Um, a huge issue for a lot of consumers. So we recently launched a service called Scam Assist, which is really designed to um, get out in front of that and investigate potential scams um, and provide guidance to consumers before they happen to fall for a scam. So they can reach out to us to investigate that and give them guidance on it. Um, prior, you know, at one point in time, mainly before kind of chip and pin, new account fraud was huge, for example. Um, so, you know, we include three bureau credit monitoring and alerts, and we have actually recently enhanced our identity monitoring and alerts to include something called high risk transactions, because our research is showing that um, new account fraud is kind of making a, a resurgence now that they figured out, fraudsters have figured out how to get around the chip and pin. So, um, Again, we do, we spend a lot of time really looking at what's happening in the market first to figure out what those key features are that need to be included so that we're not just adding stuff for the sake of adding stuff. That That's kind of the key takeaway here is yep. that we can evolve with the market. Okay. And I think you touched on some of them, the loyalty fraud and gaming is a huge area of interest for our members. Uh, they're trying to figure out a pragmatic way. It's, 
It's almost like the uh, the uh, drunk uncle at uh, the family barbecue that no one wants to talk about, right? So, yeah. but I, th- I think there's a uh, the reticence about talking uh, about it or to it is, is decreasing. So it's it's definitely more top of mind. You know, what are you seeing with regard to fraud in gaming? How is it changing over the past couple of years? And I mean, what trends do you expect to go forward? You talked a little bit chip and pin, some of the things you saw there, but you know, more uh, holistically, what are you seeing with regard to, to fraud and gaming? Absolutely. So I think, you know, just a few minutes ago, I mentioned this, this idea of whack-a-mole and gaming is, is no exception to this. So if there's anything of value that a thief can use to steal your identity, they can and will do it. So for a lot of fraudsters, this area um, of gaming, for this specific reason that you said, it, it was kind of the, the drunk uncle no one wanted to talk about. So because of that, um, actually for fraudsters, they kind of consider this low-hanging fruit because consumers typically aren't safeguarding or um, checking into the the um, the accounts connected with these things in the way that they would their normal bank accounts or their normal credit card accounts. Um, additionally, we know that many consumers are guilty of using kind of the same passwords across multiple accounts, and these gaming accounts and kind of loyalty accounts are no exception. So um, that's why we always recommend using a unique password for every account. But we know that. For a lot of people, that's difficult. There's too many accounts to remember, you know. So at a minimum, we recommend that consumers kind of keep track of these passwords and update them frequently. And, you know, most importantly, if they are notified of a breach impacting an account that used that same password to go ahead and make sure they change, you know, all of the accounts that are using that password. Now, with respect to gaming in particular, many gaming gaming platforms also um, have a high degree of anonymity for a number of reasons. So, um, that also kind of makes them a right target to be targeted. Um, a lot of the, the folks that are um, using high into gaming um, are likely keeping multiple payment methods on file. So again, a lot of uh, pertinent information for a fraudster like right in one place. And in general, we found that um, there's a lack of kind of regulatory authentication requirements that other industries maybe require. So all of these things kind of make them desirable targets for fraudsters. Um, As far as, you know, what trends do we see forward or what do we tell people to do? um, I would say all of the kind of general fraud prevention, hygiene type tips that we give out um, for any other situation would still apply here. Use strong, unique passwords, for example. Don't click links that you're unfamiliar with or not expecting. Don't be tricked into giving out your um, personally identifiable information to someone you know, that you're gaming with online. Um, having some sort of tool to help with this is also really great. We offer an online data protection tool that includes anti-phishing um, warnings and protections against spyware and ransomware. Um, and so I think, you know, anything that you can do uh, to help kind of give yourself a, 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 a second defense or a first line of defense in some cases, um, because anybody could fall victim to it is going to be helpful. Um, in general, though, I think the the gaming spend in the U.S. Uh, hit a record last year. I want to say something like almost $16.5 billion. So That's with that being such a large segment and, and a growing segment of the overall entertainment market, um, I would imagine that it would continue to be a right target for fraudsters um, for the foreseeable future. Okay. 
Interesting. Um, it seems like it's definitely on the rise, as we all know that it is. Um, uh, when you look at emotional loyalty, it's another topic that's uh, very germane, uh, very timely for our audience today. Uh, marketers are focused on it, especially those who are in customer loyalty. You know, with fraud, identity protection, uh, cybersecurity, uh, you know, all these can be very sensitive topics, but they're also very emotive topics as well. Not only for the marketers or the brands that are using your services, but also for the end consumers. You know, what trends are you seeing with regard to emotional loyalty and how are your clients trying to build more, uh, you know, personal connections with their customers? Yeah, I think, you know, really coming what I hope to be coming out of COVID. Um, I, th- I hope we're getting on the, the, the downswing of it. Um, but, you know, during the past couple of years when people have been stuck inside and, um you know, dealing with a lot of tragedy in, in some cases, um, I think it's really made them reevaluate, um, you know, the need for and the desire for some level of emotional loyalty. Um, we fall kind of square in the middle of this, because as I mentioned, with with what we're, we're trying to protect someone's identity and identity theft and fraud being kind of very personal crimes, um, dealing with them requires a very personal touch. And so um, it's it's been said, I'm sure you guys have heard the quote that people don't, uh, people forget what you say, but not how you made them feel. And we kind of, we really think those words couldn't be any truer for this space as well. So we have people contacting us typically at a time when they suspect they've been, or they actually have been um, victims of one of the most invasive crimes that could happen to someone. So when we engage with them, we always kind of lead with passion. Can't really turn back time, so to speak, but we can use all of our knowledge and expertise to kind of undo any damage that's been done and treat them like a human being in the process. So you would be surprised um, to know how often that doesn't really happen for victims um, when dealing with other institutions. And so I think we're seeing, um, as I mentioned, kind of at the outset of our talk here, uh, this trend of kind of poor customer service. And it, it, it feels like it's being magnified to a degree as we come out of this pandemic between labor shortages that are happening right now, supply chain issues, um, kind of mediocre customer service is starting to set the bar. So I think anytime we can partner with brands that really care about the experience that their customers and their members are having with us and not just for the specific services that they provide, but just as treating them as a human being, as a person, um, that is the most genuine way to kind of make that connection to show that you care. Um, that That is something that we continue to look for clients that aspire to that. Um, we want to partner with clients that see value in that because we know that that's an area that we are more than capable of, of you know, either partnering with right alongside with them, or even if they feel like it's an area that where they could use more help at that because it's, a, you know, a, something that we're good at, we can really help kind of bring them along as well. Okay. Well, I think this has been uh, very uh, impactful for me. It's great to learn uh, more as we uh, you know, continue to engage with, uh, you know, Iris. You know, one of the things that, that you guys are doing and, or, and seeing and hearing around fraud and its impact and just how you are helping your you know customers kind of address some of the, the challenges that exist, right? So it was great to hear uh, more about your offering and, and learn more about you today. And, uh, and it was great having your perspective on customer loyalty. Absolutely. It's always nice to be able to, to come. I could talk about this stuff forever. So it's always nice to be able to come and talk to um, folks that are interested in hearing about it. And we love to be welcome back anytime. 
All right, great. And thank you. Your passion is uh, very uh, much front and center, which is great to hear because sometimes you don't always hear that. But with you, the, the passion you have for the brand and being there for 10 and a half years is uh, is great. And it's great to hear. And uh, it, it definitely resonates and definitely uh, of, of you know, germane and applicable to our audience for sure. So thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please make sure you join us again soon for another edition of Loyalty Live. Thank you. <laughs>